Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Falling too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling his vultures. Negative, nepotist. Everybody waiting for the fall of man. Everybody praying for the end of times. Everybody hoping they could be the one. I was born to run. I was born for this. Whip, whip. Razorback fans, welcome into episode number 102 of the Hog Talk Podcast. My name's Kyle Sutherland alongside Porter Hayes. We are happy to be joined by Zach Arns of the ever-famous afternoon show during three to seven weekdays. Uh, Ruskin and Zach, happy to have Zach on tonight. Man, appreciate you coming and uh, taking some time out. I appreciate you guys inviting me back. I didn't think after my last uh, appearance you were going to bring me back, but I didn't say any bad words. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Yeah, no, I actually, no, I good. wasn't on the, I wasn't on the first one. I wasn't actually a part of these guys uh, of the hog talk at the time, but I do remember listening to. I was, uh, I was proud of you that you got through that without, without swearing at all. But we're not, <laughs> we're not regulated by the FCC or anything, so if it does tend to slip out, it happens, man. But yeah, you know, I goof up every now and then. I'll apologize vehemently for it. <laughs> well, how, how was you guys' fourth? I know that I definitely uh, had a good time. It was quiet, and it was it was relative. I mean, Northwest Arkansas is the the hub of of all co- things COVID here in the, here in the state of Arkansas right now. So, I mean, it was funny. Like my, my daughter and I went out to get some ice cream about nine thirty last night, and I mean, there were more fire, there were more unorganized, unsanctioned fireworks going on than there's ever been. I mean, people were celebrating, and it was uh, it was fun to see. Porter, how yeah, about y'all? Did y'all do anything fun? Yeah, I actually got to load up the side by side and take it out, and um. The buddies we ride with, they all told me because I just got this one off a friend, and they said, "Well, you got to come up with a name for the side by side." And I, you know, was thinking, "Well, we went through this jungle, and I ripped the side panel of the driver's side off, like completely off." And of course, and just got it first time taking it out, and really freaking out. My wife looks at me and she says, "You just need to call it side piece." So. So the name of a side, my side by side is side piece. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I went on a very, very short lived. I got one of my best friends lives out in, in Marche, a little community uh, outside of North the North Little Rock city limits, and has a couple of acres. So we ride the side by side there, but that that did not last very long. It was a little too muddy for what, at least for what I was wearing in my my crayon colored apparel that you can catch on Twitter. But uh, we'll get right into it here. Zach, I know you, you're the play-by-play guy for the Springdale Bulldogs, so I was wanting to talk a little mm-hmm. bit of recruiting with you. And with the decommitment of Landon Rogers out of Little Rock Parkview, the Razorbacks are now 35th overall in the country, ninth in the SEC with 12 commits. 
What was your thoughts on the whole Landon Rogers deal? Do you feel that that was more of possibly he thought that it, there might be a little too much competition with Lucas Coley coming in and then also having a pretty young roster in the quarterback room? What do you kind of feel is the underlying issue of that? I don't think there's any question. He'd be looked at uh, Coley coming in, what they have currently on campus, and said, you know what, I may not get a chance to play. I, I Mixed emotions on Landon Rogers. Um, some people see him as sort of a, you know, a, a very athletic Felipe Franks type. I had him twice. I had him in 18 and 19. And, um, you know, he, he was, he looks, he looks great in his uniform. Um, the numbers don't necessarily bear out what I saw or, or what people have told me. I mean, I, I, I was adding it up earlier. I mean, in two games against Springdale, he was 12 for 34 for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Um, he, he's, he, he'd be a project. Best thing, the, the best thing I can tell you is if, if he got onto campus, he's a he's a two or three year project. And he's probably a guy that's you know moving to another position. He's not better than Franks. He's not better than Hornsby and he's not better than Jefferson. So where does that leave him? I mean, he, I think Coley's probably a better prospect at this point. If you looked at his offer list, I mean, it's Kansas, it's Houston and the two Louisianas. I think that's probably more where he goes now from Sam Pittman's point of view. You, you have to offer him. He's the best in-state quarterback. You want to put up walls around the uh, the state, create a pipeline into central Arkansas. Plus, he's got a guy at the tight end position that Sam Pittman really, really wants. So maybe you get a two-for-one there. Um, I I don't think this is one where you're going to say, oh, my gosh, the, the, you know, the recruiting's in a ditch with Landon Rogers decommitting. I think he's probably better off going to a Kansas, a Houston, or one of the Louisianas where he could actually play. He, he would have no place on this roster if the recruiting keeps up. That's what I was going to say, too. I know you mentioned that he, he would probably end up going to another position. Do you see him maybe at defensive end, as a, maybe even at the next school that he plays at, Kansas, as it seems to be the heavy favorite right now? Do you see him more as like a tight end or defensive end? It's so hard with quarterbacks because they're so specialized in what they do. If you're taking a you know a safety and making them a linebacker, that's one thing. A linebacker becoming a defensive end, you're moving the guy down the field. A quarterback, all they've ever done is play Quarterback. Most quarterbacks you see transition to wide receiver. Some, if they put on the weight, uh, become tight ends. You know, he's six foot four. He's listed at two fifteen. That's probably being real generous. Um, I could see him as you know a, a lanky wideout, a, a, a tight end type. Um, I think he, I think he deserves a shot at quarterback. Um, I, I just think he's he's one of those real long term projects because the offense, frankly, that they run at Parkview is very very simple. It's I formation stuff. It's single back stuff. There isn't a whole lot of, you know, get back, read defenses. It's very quick stuff. It's get the ball out and they run the ball a ton. So I, I don't know what he can do. You know, I, I was I was making this point to somebody earlier today. You know, we, we had Taylor Powell in the 7A West. I saw what an SEC quarterback looks like. There's a law. There's a big gap between Landon Rogers and Taylor Powell. And Taylor Powell is the backup at Missouri. Well, and that's that's the thing that's so that you point on in the SEC and especially Arkansas in the state of the program. I mean, they can't afford to take another project. We've seen what that's done over the past two seasons with project. Well, we'll see who's going to play here and there. And I expecting in the SEC, you know, with the talent that the SEC continues to recruit. I mean, it's very imperative that, you know, you got a guy that he comes in as a freshman that maybe halfway through the season or, or maybe into a sophomore season that he's ready to go. The thing with him, and I don't mean to, I don't want to downgrade the kid because he's a three-star, he's an athlete, he's got a place in college football. I just don't know what he does well. 
if they were locked in and said, if you had Felipe Franks for the next three years and you had Hornsby and you were sure about Hornsby and Jefferson right behind him, you could take him on and say, well, if he pans out, great. If not, you know, we took a chance and we, you know, we recruited an in-state kid. I just don't know what he does when, when we had him twice, you know, he, I think, uh, he, I think he threw the ball 19 and 14 times and he was under, you know, he's well under 50%. He was picked off a couple times down in the red zone. It just, it didn't look right. It didn't look like an SEC quarterback. And when, you know, when I saw the rankings this past fall come out, and he was a three-star, kind of raised an eyebrow. And I started asking some coaches that, that had played Parkview, including ours, Zach Clark. And I got kind of the same result, which was, looks great in his uniform, probably a good athlete. We just don't know what he is. Same thing can be said for Aaron Outley, who, you know, I see has got all these offers from around the country. He didn't have a catch against Springdale in two games. So I'm not sure, you know, I, I wasn't there for the camps. I know, you know, you can line up and run real fast. You can, you know, height, weight, whatever. You can do all that stuff and you can project a little bit what uh, their potential looks like. But I think for Sam Pittman and what they're looking for at the University of Arkansas right now, sure things. You've got to hit on, if you bring in a class of 25, you've got to hit on 18 of these kids because you need the help right now, not, you know, two years down the line. Definitely. And, you know, with all these these kids, you know, they, they commit and then they decommit and they make a big extravagant you know, postings on social media. What, what, how much do you think social media has played into all this now? Like what, what really sticks out to me is, you know, you had Mac McClung over at Georgetown. I mean, his whole high school career was basically Twitter and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, he's averaging 15, 16 points a game at Georgetown and then he transfers and makes a big show. So to me, it's like, are they just doing that because the transfer portal is there and then it gives them another chance to, it to be about them and not really what team they're going to. If you're in the coaching business, you better get used to it because it's not going anywhere. Um, this stuff is has become more prevalent. Like you said, you know, Mac McClung, you know, all of this stuff is on social media. You know, I always whenever I see one of these things, you know, kid posts his top 18, you know, we'll retweet it like, you know, why not just post everybody? Um, I don't get it. Uh, you know, some of these kids are looking for virtual hugs, I guess, and they like the attention and, you know, whatever. But if I said to you, can you name me three guys who decommitted last year from Arkansas's recruiting class? Chances are you probably couldn't because you don't remember them. You have them in there in your short term memory. And that's what this is. You know, for me, I kind of follow it. You know, I have people that uh, that come on our show and talk about it. And, you know, we, we have back and forth about it. But. This is this is a new thing. This is a last 10 years thing where where you see you, these kids lives, their recruitment is all played out on social media. And if you're not I, I don't know how people like Richard Davenport, Nikki Chavanel, Andrew Hutchinson, I don't know how they do this stuff because it is a 24 seven business and it would drive me insane. Now, the kids, they love it. You know, they, they love the attention. They love the you know, the, the all the the likes and the retweets and the comments they get. It's it's not going anywhere. Uh, it certainly plays a lot into I think into the hype of some of these kids. And, you know, when they don't pan out, the you know, the, the backlash can be there if uh, if they decide to transfer. They just you know, they never play. You mentioned Aaron Outley, the, the so Aaron mm -hmm. Outley, along with James Joyner for the class of 2022. Uh, he they top off the basically, I guess some would call around the central Arkansas area, a three headed monster for land Landon Rogers as well. They all make that up. And there's another guy in, out of Springdale Harbor, another tight end, Arrington McCray. And I know that he was committed to Arkansas State and then decommitted, I believe it was June 19th, and then committed to Memphis on July 4th. 
is that there's been quite a bit of talks about him that he's a little bit underrated. Have you had a chance to look at him by any chance? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, Arrington um, watched him a couple of times, you know, obviously being here in Springdale, I, I see him quite a bit, big body, really big body. Um, not, not a, not a prototypical tight end. I, I'm trying to think of a comparison off the top of my head. Think of a shorter CJ O'Grady. Um, he's more bowling ball than he is, you know, flex tight end Hudson Henry type. Um, he's good, good in line blocker. They move him around a lot. They'll, they'll, you know, drop him back into a fullback spot when they, you know, in short yardage stuff. He's got good hands. He's got good speed. Um, route running can be, you know, in Chris Wood's offense, it's pretty simple. They don't, uh, they don't really emphasize route running very much. So I think he's, he's, you know, I hate to use the word project, but every kid going from high school to college is a project. But he's going to, he's going to need some work. Um, he's going to have to get in the weight room because he's, you know, he's going to have to build up his upper body. But I think he's got potential. I, I think he's he's an interesting project because he's not your prototypical tight end. I think he's six. He's listed at six three. I don't think he's that tall. I think he's probably in the six two range. I think DJ Williams just maybe a little bit more physical DJ Williams type. So you're in the area of Arkansas where the COVID <laughs> COVID COVID cases are the highest. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talks right now, especially with the the. The college football team's able to start practice here pretty soon before they get into fall camps. We really just are still have no idea where we're going with this coming up football season. And with you being in an area with such high cases, what are you expecting right now? Well, there's the million dollar question or the forty four million dollar question. I think they're they're going to play. I don't know I don't know how they can't. I think if if you see schools that don't play you'll see athletic departments go under. So the TV money's too much. They have to play in some shape, some form they will play. Fans going to be there. You know, I've heard a hundred different scenarios, you know, maybe you, you, no fans in the month of September, but I'm looking around. NASCAR's got people at, uh, at events. I saw, you know, th- there's, there's, there's sporting events where there are fans in attendance. I think if, you know, and this is just crystal ball guessing here. I think there will be fans eventually. I think masks will be required. You're going to have to do that. And I'll be, I'll be interested to see how many people go back. That's, I, I don't know how you guys are, but you know, I, I would normally get up on a Sunday morning and watch a formula one race because I love formula one. And then, you know, NASCAR was on later this afternoon. I would have sat down and watched both of those events. Didn't watch either one of them. My, my habits have changed. It, you know, I was reading some psychology when this whole thing started. So it takes three weeks to break a habit. Well, we're way past that point. I'm interested to see how many people, you know, will will get all geared up on a on what August 29th when football starts up. How many of us are going to sit on the couch and watch this, you know, from sun up to sundown like we used to? I've found other things to do, and I'm going to be really, really interested to see what Hunter Yurichek's situation is come August one. Uh, Sankey said that he would. Uh, Greg Sankey, commissioner of the SEC, said you know end of July they would start to have you know a plan together. You know, folks around here, we're out and about. My, my daughter and I were down at Devil's Den on Friday. We were out yesterday, out today. I mean, there's folks out and about wearing masks. But I think the the fear level, as we learn more about this, this you know, how this spreads and, and the infection rates, I think people are becoming more confident in what they're seeing. And, you know, if you're asking me, are there going to be fans in the stadium September 5th? I doubt it. But I bet you by early November, you'll see, you know, 50% capacity, 30%, something like that. Well, and another, you know, topic is well, not hardly anybody. We we focus a lot on college, but you know, you being the play-by-play at Springdale, you know how mm-hmm. this is going to affect the high school game and, and the, yeah. 
But, you know, school starts here in Ozark August 13th. I mean, they're not even allowed to do pass the ball. They're, I mean, it's basically drills and lifting in, in separate areas. You know, like they can't mm-hmm. go into the field house a certain way. Like they're not supposed to be there early and hang out. So, I mean, that's another thing that can factor into, you know, the game is this is not going to just affect this year when it comes to college, but it's also going to affect college years on because all these kids that are, you know, prospects and they might not even have a season. I was talking or texting with one of the uh, Springdale coaches today. Um, I've heard scenarios where they're not going to play non-conference games because think about how many teams, high school teams travel in and out of the state. Um, you know, I know Harbor, you mentioned them. They're, they're, I think they're playing a team from Mansfield, Texas. Springdale's going to play a team from Choctaw, Oklahoma. You know, do those teams want to get on a bus, travel, you know, a couple hours, you know, up here or over there? I, I can see scenarios where you're only playing your conference schedules because it's most, you, you know, within within you know, the 7A West or the 6A West. I mean, they're all relatively close together. Um, I've also heard ideas where, you know, they could push it back to the spring, which might be interesting, especially with basketball and all the other spring sports. If you pushed football back to uh, back to a springtime start, I tell you this, I wouldn't want to be the athletic directors making that decision. Uh, you know, I know Governor Hutchinson said earlier this week, you know, that until the numbers flatten or go down, he's not going to he's not going to permit it. So, you know, we're sort of in a holding pattern. But I would say that high school football, youth football um, are definitely uh, two of the sports right now that are that are in jeopardy of not not just not getting off on time, but uh, but not being played at all. Well, and Zach, in one of the games that's being played out of state, I believe Fayetteville and McKinney North High School have a home and home for the next mm-hmm. two years, right? And then yep. this year, I believe it is in Dallas. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I, you know, I haven't talked to Casey, but I can't imagine that uh, that they're going to load up on the bus. If if the game were played tomorrow, I couldn't imagine them getting up on them, you know, loading up on a bus and going down there. I just don't think. I just don't think you. It's not worth the risk. And, you know, from a, forget the, you know, the school district's liability standpoint. I mean, if you're a coach, you don't put your kids in harm's way, especially if you don't know. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I, I just I can't see a way right now where high school football gets off, um, you know, last week in, in August. But, you We're know, also the, is like, go ahead. No, go ahead, Porter. You're good. Well, I was going to say, you know, because, you know, the bigger schools, you know, they facilitate three, four five buses as it is, mm-hmm. you know, these big, so they would really have to, you know, financially, they would have to take almost 10 buses, you know, to have everybody on the bus and social distance and, you know, just the, the logistics and the, to the cost of the travel from Fayetteville, even if you yeah. went into Oklahoma, I mean, that would be hard for some of them to, and then feeding the players and all that, you know, it's it'd be hard to facilitate. Yeah. It, logistically, it, it would be a nightmare. And the seven, a schools are honestly the ones that are equipped to do it. Uh, they can practice. They've got enough coaches for each position group. You think down into like the you know the four A, the three A, the two A. I mean, you have three or four coaches for sixty guys. Um, the the seven has you know specific position coaches. You break the guys down. It's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for I think for high school football to 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 get off on time. That said, you know I got the word two weeks ago. Hey, we're a go. You know as we stand. You know two weeks ago, Springdale was planning on playing. So. Until further notice, they're, they're, you know, Springdale's got a game scheduled, I think, the 28th of August, I think, is their first game. Um, I think, you know, as far as I know, that, you know, I'm, I plan on being in a broadcast booth. And then that changes, to be honest. You know, how, how do you, you know, if you're not going to, you have to let the parents in, right, to a high school game, they'll see their kids. I mean, you, you have to do that. It's, it's just such a tangled web. 
And I, like I said, I certainly want to, wouldn't want to be the ones making that decision. Um, you know, if they don't let the parents in, I guess my viewership numbers go up. So I guess, you know, good for me, but, um, I can't imagine, you know, your son's senior year and you can't watch him play. In the two and a half years that Hunter Yurchek's been the athletic director at Arkansas, he's had to make two big hires, obviously with football and basketball. The re- response from the fan base for both Sam Pittman and Eric Musselman has been through the roof thus far, even though Sam Pittman, of course, hasn't coached a game yet, recruiting pretty well, and we know his track record as a position coach and has made some fantastic hires. What is your take overall on, on Eric Musselman and, and Sam Pittman from what you've seen? Well, I'll start with Sam Pittman. I mean, he's undefeated right now, so he's incredibly popular. He's, I think in the offseason, I mean, an, un, an offseason unlike any other, I think he's hit every – I mean, you think about all the places around the country that are having issues, and, you know, the University of Arkansas is pretty quiet. Uh, I think Sam has done a terrific job striking all the right notes, saying all the right things, doing all the right things, and that's fine. But come September 5, when Nevada rolls in, you drop that game, I think – you know, that's when I think reality hits. But for right now, I think, you know, A plus on the hire. He's done everything you could have asked Sam Pittman to do. Musselman, I, I don't know what else you could want the guy to do short of winning the national title. He had a roster last year that included the three of us. Uh, the three of us would have gotten playing time uh, on that roster. And now he's completely turned the roster over. I think if my math is right. There are I, I three, three guys still on the roster who dribbled a basketball for Arkansas last year. And that's incredible when, when you really think about it, that he's turned this thing over. I worry a little bit about the Harbaugh effect. He's an intense guy. He's a very no-nonsense, win-at-all-costs kind of guy, and that fuse runs really hot. Same thing, you know, Harbaugh's having problems up at Michigan with some of his coaches where he's just tearing through coaches. Um, you know, we saw Chris Crutchfield leave in the offseason. He's got a new coach in this year. You just kind of worry about that a little bit. But, I mean, as we sit here today, A-plus, great hire, really looking forward to next year. I'm one of those guys that looks, you know, three years down the road. Um, I think Hunter Juracek deserves incredibly high marks for what he's done in the two and a half years he's been here. Uh, he has done everything correct, including pulling the ripcord on Chad Morris. Yeah, that was the big one with me is I was wondering, I, I usually am for keeping your coaches all the way through, let them finish out the season, usually because in, in a lot of cases, players tend to not like it with their coach gets canned halfway through the season or whatever the case may be. But I, I think the, the Twitter response from the players kind of showed us exactly uh, where they were at on there. And I, and I think that really for us, it was just a breath of fresh air for Barry Lunny to come in and just stop the bleeding right then. I, Cause I had a feeling, I don't know about you. I, I had a pretty strong feeling that once they lost to San Jose state, that was just the beginning of the end. And it was just, it, he was basically on borrowed time. It, it, it uh, Portland State should have been red flags for everybody. Uh, th- that was, I mean, they they were bad that day, and Portland State wasn't a good FCS team. I mean, if you struggle with North Dakota State, that's one thing. Uh, but you can't have the guy that you told you're not good enough <laughs> to come in here and light you up for a bunch of touchdowns and forty something points. You can't have that. And when Ty Story came in. You know, Western Kentucky wins football game. You've got the week off. It seemed like the natural time to do it. And and you're right about, you know, the Twitter response. I haven't heard a player come out and say, hey, you know, we wish Coach Morris was still here. That's That's been very, very rare. I think, you know, we, we'd heard whispers kind of behind the scenes. Things weren't going well. 
and that uh, that Chad was somewhat disconnected from the players and that the assistant coaches were doing a lot of the a lot of the heavy lifting. You know, I was in Chad's office at one point when, you know, he was telling uh, a friend of mine, hey, I'm going to be the guy calling the plays. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's why they hired you. Uh, you know, what have you been doing to that point? And that was um, a little alarming. Um, I, I think Chad Morse gets a bad rap and we like to poke fun, of that, fun at him on the show a lot. He's a good guy. Um, I've been around him enough. I've had lunch with him a couple of times. He's a good guy. What he isn't is a real people person. Um, I think he sort of bought into the hype that, hey, I'm the head coach at the University of Arkansas. I'm the CEO of this program. And he bought into it. And it failed. And it failed miserably, spectacularly bad. And once I think the, the snowball got rolling, he couldn't stop it. And, you know, I, I we went back and listened and watched some of the, uh, the the press conferences towards the end of his tenure. And I mean, man, he looked just he just looked tired. He looked really, really tired. I talked to friends of his in the coaching uh, industry. And they all told me the same thing. They said he just doesn't look good. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. I think him and, and Coach Bielema and, and it's like the ending were kind of similar. I mean, one, I think Coach Morris was in way over his head like he didn't know. His head from his rear end sometimes. I don't, and I, don't then, think he, I don't think he was in over his head. I think his assistants were way, in, way over their heads. Way yeah. over their heads. I, I think his, he took guys that were loyal to him, young, and look, you can go out and recruit. That's fine. But can you can you coach on a Saturday? That's what matters. And he had a bunch of guys around him that were nothing but yes men. I mean, you know, we, we had guys last year throwing players under the bus. You know, I, I don't know what the problem is. Go ask the offensive line. That's not good. It's not good. It wasn't wasn't a professionally run program. And, you know, and I think Chad suffered for it. We'll see. You know, we'll find out. We'll find out if he can coach. And, you know, I had one coach tell me, hey, some guys are just coordinators. And that may be what he is, is a coordinator. Yeah, we'll, def- we'll definitely find out, you know, see how he does at Auburn, you know. But just like all the distractions, too, of, you know, the going to the games and, like on y'all show, y'all have even joked about, you know, did his wife even do a load of laundry in the house and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and, but that's why I was saying like over your head, he brought people that he knew and thought he could come in the SEC. And I, that's where I thought he was in over his head because I, I thought he really thought at first he could do something with the guys and hey, this is going to be a project. Let's let's build this team up and it's going to help project you and get better jobs and end up just blowing up right in his face. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys ever saw the video of that uh, that football 101 he did where he sort of explained his offense. And I've been around enough offensive coaches, Gus Malzahn included, where I've seen basically the same speech. The guy knows what he's doing. It wasn't a matter of he just, he, you know, he got here and got dumb. That that wasn't the case. I don't think, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that his coaches were able to carry the message that he wanted. I don't think his coaches were able to teach very well. And I think it got to a point where Chad was trying to do everything. He was doing a little bit of everything, and it was stretching him too thin. And you can't you can't do that. I mean, you look at the way this program now is going to run. Sam Pittman's the CEO. You think he's telling Barry Odom what to do? Probably not. You think he's telling Kendall Bryles what to do? No, he's probably making some suggestions, but that's about it. The, you know, Odom and Bryles are going to run this thing. You have two very strong alphas on either side of the ball. I don't think you had that last year. I think you had a lot of indecision. Chad, you know, John Chavis, you know, trying to do his thing. He couldn't do it. Chad's giving him suggestions. And then the offense was just a mess last year. It was it was an absolute mess. I don't even remember who the offensive coordinator was last year. It was so bad. Yeah. Joe Craddock, who is now a tight ends coach, I believe. UAB. UAB. Yeah. 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 So that just tells you. Yeah. And he was 
I feel that probably he and Dustin Fry, God bless their heart, they were the ones that were just most in over their head. I, I'm totally with them. Oh, my gosh. Man, I, I watched a – there was a I – can't, I can't remember who they were playing, but there, were, there was a series where there were, there were two sacks and three plays, and as the offense came off the field, the offense sits down on the bench and not one assistant coach talked to him. I mean, I sat there and just stared at him while the defense is out on the field. I'm like, is anybody going to talk to these kids? Yeah. And that that for me, I you know, I was just blown away, absolutely blown away. And the crazy part about it was during that during that that period, I was texting back and forth with uh, with Dal Loggins and he had one of the uh, the New York Jets personnel guys in there. And I mean, they were up in arms it's like, what are these guys doing? And that's when I knew that there were just there were pro- there were systemic problems in that uh, in that organization. And it just, you know, from the top down, that's when it had to go for me. It wasn't the fake pun. It was, you know, a little bit after that. As we close out here, we'll go ahead and uh, plug your show. Now I know a lot of our listeners uh, are, they definitely are familiar with you guys and, and listen <laughs> in, <laughs> but uh, go ahead and talk about, I know you guys are three to seven on weekdays. It's a uh, 99.3 Northwest ESPN, Arkansas, right? Yeah. Um, we're, we're all over the state of Arkansas. We're corner to corner. You can get us at one Oh four, three in Harrison. What is it? 95, three, 96, three in the river Valley, 96, three in hot Springs, 95 or 99, five up here in Northwest Arkansas, 1290 AM. If you're in the extreme North corner, you can pretty much get us anywhere in the, uh, in the state. And we're three to seven and you know, we're, we're about out of topic. So if you guys have anything for us, I mean, please <laughs> let us know. I mean, we're, I mean, we resorted last week to get Jay Norvell on the show. <laughs> we yeah. got the coach from Nevada on the show talking about what they're going to do. That's um, pretty much, we've just been having guests. Yeah, we had Mike Neighbors on last week. I had a really good talk with Tyler Spoon about the 2015 run. That was a lot of fun. So, yeah, we, that's pretty much where we're at right now. We're we're just basically having guests on and, and talking about the, pretty much what could possibly happen. <laughs> I, I tell Neighbors all the time, he's, he's sort of our Don Rickles. When I need good content, I just call him like, hey, I need you today. <laughs> And oh, he's like, okay, I got nothing to do. That was one of the most fun interviews I've had last week, just talking about He's the coolest music. guy. Yeah. yeah he, I, I won't talk to him that. until he finishes Ozark. So until that <laughs> happens, he and I are not on speaking terms. Yeah, that's actually – he and I mentioned that. Uh, I was telling him that I, I personally – and I said this on when I was on the radio last week, that I think that's the best show on Netflix personally. And I'm, I'm happy – I hope they don't run it into the ground, but I am glad that there is a season four. That well, one season, uh, seven episodes. That, yes, they they have announced the end. They're going to do two separate seven series, and it's going to be over after their fourth season. But it's going to be it's almost like TV how they do it now. That you know how they'll have a fall season, then they take off a month for Christmas time, and then they come back in like February. But mm-hmm. I don't know what the timing is. But they're going to do two separate. I'm I'm interested because. Not trying to spoil to any of our listeners or fans who haven't seen Ozark, but, uh, you know, that mind-blowing ending to <laughs> the season, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm just looking for – yeah, it was my favorite show ever I've seen on Netflix. I mean, it's just one of them I really – that and Stranger Things is the ones that I really get hyped up to want to watch it. Now, you guys tell me, I mean, I'm looking for some, my daughter and I, and I, I'm not getting parent to the year award in 2020. My daughter and I just finished Breaking Bad. Um, so now every time she sees an RV, she thinks somebody's cooking mess. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wide open on suggestions. What do y'all suggest? Because I, I can't do Better Call Saul. I've discovered that this whole binging thing where I can watch it start to finish in my own time is for me. I can't do it like Ozark where I'm now I've got to wait like 
18 months to see the next seven episodes of Ozark. So if you guys have suggestions, I am all ears because I need something to do. Well, you got Shameless. That That's one. Is that's that the William really, H. Macy? Really good. Yes, that is a really, really good one. Um, then, then I like my, you know, my son, you know, is autistic. So we started watching that atypical. It's about a kid with autism in high school. And it's mm-hmm. really, but it's really good. Like it's, I mean, the storylines and all, but there are so many shows. I mean, there's also Tiger King. If you want to watch that again, you know, I, you know what? I, I, look, my IQ is low enough. I don't need it to drop another 15 to 20 points. Yeah. The new unsolved mysteries. I watched a couple episodes of that the other really? day. It's not, but yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, of course, it's not the same without – I can't remember the, the guy's Robert name. Robert Stack. Yeah, Robert Stack. Yeah, yeah. It's not the same without his voice. Do you guys uh, watch it, those true good. crime things? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I have a friend of mine that calls it murder porn, and she will she watches like all of them. And I, you got to be careful because if you uh, if you meet somebody that watches a lot of this stuff, the first thing out of their mouth is likely to be, I know how to hide your body. Honestly, yeah, I, it, Oh man, that's like that's like oh Lifetime or Discovery ID or all those shows. I mean, well, like I really come in fear of coming home sometimes because it's uh how did I get away with murder or how can mm-hmm. I? I mean, it's like women who kill and yeah, it's it's crazy. But well, the um, plot of every every Lifetime movie is the same. My man done me wrong. This is how I killed him, and this is how I was justified in doing it. It's like a, a lifetime. What is it? The, the lifetime movie, Christmas movies. You know they're gonna do that like in a month. At the end of the month, they're having like a midway lifetime Christmas. Oh yeah, movie Christmas marathon. in July. Yeah. Yes. Can't wait. Have you Can't seen uh, Dexter? Have you seen? I Dexter? have not. I've heard about it. Okay. Na- neighbors so keep suggesting that in the wire yes. to me. Well, now don't discredit me because neighbors still owes you Ozark. So <laughs> he does. Definitely, definitely. Or you're gonna have to start calling it Oxark like you do on the show. <laughs> Okay, so what is the official pronunciation oh. of this? We ran so, a poll and it, and it finished yeah. 50-50. Because you know why? Because it's actually both are right. Ox Ark is the French word of bend in the river. And that's where Ozark comes from. Because Ozark is the most northern point of the Arkansas River in Arkansas. So they looked at it and called it Ox Ark. Well, that's the name of the park. But people in Ozark around here, always we've called it South Park as long as I've been here, but I was born and raised in Ozark and you don't understand the OCD that was going through me, listening to these people who are saying it's Oxark. We've never called our town Oxark. We're not the Oxark hillbillies, you know, and well, isn't a, now I took German in high school. So, and clearly that's carried me a long way, but I think in French, a U X is pronounced. O. yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's what, that's I where a lot of, so day. of course the, the Cajuns were, like Canadian French or whatnot when they came down. That's where that's why you see that on like like why Joe Burrow put that on his mm-hmm. on the back of his jersey when they're on senior night. That's why you see a lot of that like Thibodeau and, and towns like yeah. that. That's where that comes from. Okay. All right. Yeah. So so it's it's either Oxark or Oark and I'm okay. Ozark. But there's no Z. You, yeah there is. You're thinking of Oark. That's that small community up north of Clarksville. There is a Z in Ozark. Well, yes, there's an e, a Z in Ozark, but not Oxark. Yes. No, no, it's just Ox. I feel like we're having the who's on first conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. But well, yeah, I'm for your listeners, it's, it's uh, yeah, we call it Ozark, but yet it's Oxark, whatever, you know. Okay, I'm, I'm going to take your word. Uh, yes. I'll take your word. 
that's that's fine with me. It was, and these are the rabbit holes that we stumble into. Was you know we were driving through there, we see the sign, and all of a sudden you know it turns into three segments on the show. And as we like to say on the show, hey, we just killed another segment. That's good with us. Yeah, and that's hey, anything's a segment right now, like you said, with with trying to scrape up content, no doubt. It is. uh, It it can get a little difficult. It has been um, it, it's been an interesting couple of months. But like we say, if any show was built for it, it was us because we weren't talking about a whole lot of sports before that. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, I think anybody's just itching and scratching right now for it. But but yeah, definitely catch Ruskin and Zach on uh, from three to seven on ESPN Arkansas. Uh, you can look, check that out on their hit that line website. Also, you can find them on Twitter. I know you guys are pretty active on there. So. Oh, yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. But guys, really appreciate the conversation. Daily. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Guys, I appreciate you having me anytime. It's always great having you on. That will do it for episode 102 of the Hot Talk Podcast. My name's Kyle Sutherland, reporter Hayes and Zach Arndt. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.